What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. Today is a quick hit, not full episode, and we are doing this format because this morning, March 9th, 2022, which also happens to be my daughter's birthday. Happy birthday, Eddie. A, the executive office, the White House, President Biden, released an executive order on cryptocurrency and a digital dollar. So I have invited back into TMT time our in-house expert in these areas, Amber Hay, who is my new partner. Amber, welcome Hello. back into the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, as you mentioned, there's this sweeping executive order that was um, issued today by President Biden. Um, it was long anticipated, and we were hoping for this to come out in terms of the executive office taking leadership and trying to figure out how we regulate um, supervise and basically get a good handle over digital assets. We're seeing a uh, tremendous growth in the market for it. We've seen like over the past four or five years has grown from in the millions or billions to the trillions. And there's also an uptick in terms of people that are interested in the currency or digital assets and by trading, um, using it for purposes of purchases and really in areas of cross-border transactions. That's really a hot topic for people that have use cases for digital assets or cryptocurrency. So we were really waiting for this executive order where it's, um, and it's a long executive order and it will require much more interagency uh, cooperation and involvement than what we've seen in terms of with the agencies individually um, releasing statements or white papers or their views of you know how digital assets the regulation and oversight of digital assets should be approached and potential uh, regulatory regimes um, so yeah like I said well is well welcome now the next thing is what do we do with it <laughs> you know where do we start um, we, do, are... we do a podcast on a day of and force you to read the entire thing. <laughs> In yes. just a couple hours. Thank you for the so, pop quiz. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, when you were on the podcast, you know, a couple months ago, you were somewhat pressing. You predicted it. You said, you know, U.S. was looking into uh, mm -hmm. CBDC, and this now seems to be what we're getting. It looks like Biden and the administration is putting the the full thrust of the U.S. government behind yes. us doing innovating. Because I know I remember you said last time. So China has banned cryptocurrency, right? They're not getting into this space? Well, they uh, banned the uh, private sector, use of private sector issue cryptocurrencies because they had their own, which they had a pilot around the time that we had the, um, the Olympics, their pilot uh, CBDC for their country. And so in, in regards to that, they wanted to ban the use of like Bitcoin or the uh, trading or services related to crypto that weren't issued by the Central Bank of China. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So we are now um, in uncharted waters, as you're saying. It's brand new. We're trying to figure it out. They, they couched it, I noticed, in uh, sort of consumer protection terms. Yes. Why do you yes. think that is? Um, so with, with this digital assets, if it's a, a central bank digital currency, that will essentially be the Federal Reserve issuing their you know currency, the dollars out to the public. And 
there's first and foremost, the central bank doesn't want to be the bank of the public. They don't want to be retail bankers. Usually all of the uh, monetary policy and the dollars that are issued go through commercial banks as the financial intermediaries. Uh, so with this, if you have the government basically banking individuals, they'll have access and visibility into the transactions of individuals or, and just generally there's privacy concerns with that, or they're receiving information about the, um, you know, the financial data related to everyday uh, retail customers. And so there's a really big interest in preserving the privacy. And in addition to that, on the other side of it, the, they're really thinking of ways that a central bank digital currency can solve current consumer issues that we're seeing with private and within the private market. So, for instance, uh, there's concerns with some of the big trade, you know, you know, some of the crypto exchanges, whether there is significant or uh, adequate consumer protection, um, whether there's um, adequate data privacy, whether there's adequate privacy generally in terms of making sure that individuals that are signed up for these exchanges, their information is protected from cyber attacks, and whether these people have the consumer uh, support that they need in terms of if there's issues with their account, if their accounts are being locked out. I know you've heard of cases where people have said that they've been locked out of their Coinbase account. Oh, yeah. Then, you get, it just disappears. Like yes. an old NFT marketplace sale. Definitely. There's a lot of saying, work around that. Yes. And, and there wasn't a specific reference to NFTs, but I think by them using the term digital assets, it captures all different types of assets, including NFTs. Oh, um, that's interesting. The, you've yeah. obviously heard some of my other podcasts I'm hot to trot on NFTs. Um, and, you know, there's been some so-called washing mm -hmm. of NFT sales. And so I think people are, people in the space, I think are probably relieved by this news, perhaps. Yes. yes. Um, I think it could go both ways. Definitely relief uh, for people that want to get into the area of trading digital assets or acquiring digital assets, investing in digital assets, but just aren't yet comfortable given that it's decentralized and that the government is not involved and there's not, um, at least on a national scale, federal regulation oversight of these companies that are involved in the crypto space. So I definitely think there's relief there, but then there could be some concern from people that are pushing for decentralized finance where they don't want the government to be involved or they, won't, they don't want anyone to be have oversight and basically be able to look over your shoulder in terms of your transactions or you know any other things that you're trying to do with your digital asset. And that's the whole focus with the blockchain and the, the digital ledger. It's all about being able to do things through technology and not have to involve a uh, intermediary or a government of any sort. Or the big big tech data collectors. So yes, do you, do exactly. you, I, I noticed that also um, I, as I was perusing the executive order today during all of my free time, um, that seem to focus on what you're talking about, maybe illicit activity, sort of the problems with seizures of crypto. Do you think the fact that we have this Russian-Ukrainian conflict or Russian invasion where there's, you know, crypto assets being frozen from some of the oligarchs and some people are donating to the Ukrainians and crypto, do yes. you think they were spurred by this to come out now in terms of the timing of the release? I think it heightened it, but this was well needed. It's overdue. And so there was always a discussion of there going to be a, some type of executive order from the president. I heard word of that in early, early January. 
And you're right, it seemed early on that the president um, and the administration generally was really focused on national security and how crypto can be, or digital assets can be used to avoid taxes or allow for um, illicit financing and all things that are in contravention of the money laundering, anti-money laundering laws that we have. Uh, this new interest or renewed in the um, order related to the central bank digital currency, I think that that is not necessarily related to what we're seeing going on in Russia um, and in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. I think that they just see that in order for the U.S. to remain as one of the uh, currencies, like global currency, global currencies of choice. Uh, is that we need to be ahead of game in terms of technology and be in the discussions, uh, global discussions related to central bank digital currencies. There's a, a, a large chunk of this is related to central bank digital currencies, requiring studies of potential um, designs for a central bank digital currency, how it could improve upon our current payment systems or the way that we do transactions, improve upon financial, inclu uh, financial inclusion, uh, provide upon providing additional services with respect to making cross-border transactions cheaper, more efficient. Um, and so it's a, it's a big focus on that. And I think that was just, you know, we were expecting that because we're seeing other countries moving fast in terms of, or faster than we are in terms of developing central bank digital currencies or pilot programs of some sort. Um, and we just don't wanna be left behind. Um, and, and that's part of one of the studies that's required in terms of how could foreign central bank digital currencies impact the US economy, impact our position or the US position in terms of the, you know, ha having the currency of choice in international finance. And so there's a real interest in protecting that and making sure that the U.S. remains as a leader in those type of discussions and have some contributions to ensure that on a global scale, there could be some type of platform to allow for the transfer, uh, easily to be able to transfer the, the, the funds from a U.S. central bank digital currency to maybe like say, you know, another digital bank, a central bank digital currency and have ease in that regard. So you need those interact international conversations um, and you need to make sure that we're up to speed in those type of things and being involved similar to what we have with you know international banking supervision or we have we're looking to do with um, ESG and making sure that the international standards are consistent um, and, and and that's the whole point I think in terms of pushing for more of the regulators to think about you know being involved in international conversations related to central bank digital currencies. We, we want to lead the way. I, our last podcast was actually called The Digital Dollar. So now we're yes. actually going to perhaps get one. Uh, one other thing that I saw uh, in the order, and this is something that I talk about often that people don't always think about, the environmental costs of, yes. of blockchain and Bitcoin and mining stablecoin or any coins is high. Yes. Uh, and there was actually a section of the executive order today that talks about that yes. um, and studying it and, and how it's going to, have a sort of climate change impact. And people don't often think about, okay, digital dollar, blockchain, technology, Bitcoin. Yes. And then, oh, there's a there's a mining cost. What is that? Yes. How do we get there? So I thought that was interesting as well. Absolutely. I think anything that we see come out of this administration will have an ESG for the most part, to the extent it makes sense. They're going to look at how it impacts climate change, you know, um, the costs and generally how can we make it greener? You know, we just want to have a, a, a priority in terms of ensuring that we're being friendly to the environment. And as you mentioned, it's well known that the mining 
the the energy that's required. Yeah, yeah. Bitcoin proof of work is is yes. costly on the yeah. environment, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, absolutely, you, you know, I, that's why I said this executive order covers a lot of ground. It covers a lot of areas that you know were covered individually by the agencies that are focusing on this, as well as Congress. They've had numerous uh, hearings related to digital assets and, and cryptocurrencies, not only the financial services and the banking committee, but also the um, energy and uh, other committees, you know, they're really focusing on this. And another part of this executive order notes that they're expecting the Secretary of Treasury to really think through whether there's any legislative changes that will be required for a central bank digital currency. Uh, during our last podcast, I mentioned that at least Chairman Powell at that time had said that there might need to be some type of legislative changes to really move forward as the Federal Reserve continues to think through you know, the potential designs. Uh, I guess they'll get give some recommendations to Congress generally in terms of what type of changes may be required. But that was very interesting to me that the president expects a report within 180 days of whether any legislative changes are needed. And then within 210, 210 days, uh, legislative proposals. So that can, you know, keep us quite busy here at AMP because not only are we here on the regulatory side and, you know, with environmental side watching this and then on the technology side, um, but we're also looking at it from a legislative proposal, uh, legislative um you know, perspective in terms of, you know, uh, helping our clients to make sure that any type of legislation that might come about does not negatively impact, you know, how they approach their business and then generally not stifle technology advancement and innovation. And I was very happy about that in the executive order also. It said in terms of, you know, when these regulators, when these federal agencies, when you're doing your diligence and education and coming up with proposals for regulation and oversight to make sure that you uh, are not stifling, stifling innovation. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's my big takeaway, because that yes. obviously is an IP guy, uh, you know, and my involvement in this space is more in the, you know, NFT or IP angle, um, yes. metaverse stuff. So I, I agree with you. I, I was very pleased to see that. Yes. Uh, my, you know, back of the napkin two cents day of takeaway uh, is that I think the U.S. is going all in on Web3. Uh, yes. And I think this is step one. And now people are going to get behind it. I'm it's great. Sort of tons of groups, as you know, on LinkedIn and elsewhere, where yes. we all nerd out on this stuff. So uh, I it's think awesome. a lot forward. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, Amber, we wanna, I want to be mindful of people's times. Quick hit. Uh, I understand that your group and our group is going to be putting out uh, further deep dive, a short dive, and then a deep dive yes. into the uh, takeaways from today's executive order. Yes. Uh, but thank you for agreeing to join me on such short notice. This has been great. Yeah, one other point I wanna mention, um, well, two points. Uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, the fact that they have so many federal agencies involved in this effort shows that they really want to move forward on something and make sure that everyone that has um, two cents to provide is it being, you know, uh, allowed to be uh, involved. That could be good or bad because, you know, when you have something where so many cooks in the kitchen, it's all encompassing because they've named numerous agencies, but also they have a general reference to other federal agencies. And so that's very interesting. I would like to see what, how the states receive this executive order and whether they would like to be more involved and making sure that they're protecting their rights to, you know, regulate and oversee. That's and actually have, a great point. Yeah, yeah. So I really like to see how they receive it. And my other big point is I was waiting for the FSOC to come back 
alive. FSOC was created under Dodd-Frank. It's uh, chaired by the Secretary of Treasury and it has as their members, like, all the banking agencies, the federal financial regulators um, and you know, insurance, state insurance um, representatives. And their responsibility is for identifying systemic risks um, or threats to, system to systemic uh, risks to the financial stability of the US economy. And with them, they have the ability to designate non-bank financial institutions as systemically important and therefore uh, subject to oversight and regulation of the Federal Reserve um, or you know, any other agency that like the SEC, if it's deemed that they're more uh, you know, able to supervise the entity based on their type of activity. So we saw after Dodd-Frank, the big insurance companies were designated as SIFIs. They've all now been de-designated, so we don't right, have. Right, they've been cities. released. Yes. Yep. So, um, but if we see some, you know, big companies in the crypto space now that are currently just having to comply with state laws, if they're ultimately deemed to be a SIFI, systemically important, that could then subject them to oversight and regulation of the Fed, the SEC, or you know, some other federal regulator or agency. And that can be a big deal for, you know, like I said, these companies that are used to just really state laws and not being yeah. overseen from- I'm a not going to name names, but I can think of a couple off the top of my head right now that maybe qualify for that. We'll yes. see going <laughs> yes. forward. Yeah, awesome. and if not a SIFI, it could be a systemically important market financial utility. So that's another area where it's like, okay, you're too big to fail, essentially. We need to all oversee all of your operations across all of the states. And yeah. you need to, <laughs> yeah, you know. This, you're this is when half the people are like calling their lawyers. Um, <laughs> all right, well, call, call Amber. All right, Amber, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Hey, this is great. Thank you.